Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and I'll be your host on this journey through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond. Welcome back to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. This is episode number 31. And this episode is brought to you by Canada's Barbecue School. Check out www.bbqclass.ca for details on the Pitmaster classes they have scheduled in five Alberta cities coming up real soon here in 2019. Taught by national champ Rob Reinhardt of Prairie Smoke and Spice Barbecue. They will have five styles of smokers on site, so if you're in the market for a new cooker, just uh, being able to get out there and check out the different varieties is uh, well worth the price alone. Come on down, get unbiased advice, and taste the food for yourself. You will learn the techniques that impress the judges and the techniques that impress your family. We all know those are not always the same. You will tackle five different meats, and Rob will talk about ingredients, technology, cooking fuels, and different strategies to allow you to be the king or queen of the smoker. Check the link in the show notes for full details, and uh, I'll be attending the Calgary class on March 30th, and I hope to see a bunch of you there. No curling update this week. Uh, recording this open on Monday night, so uh, no update. Uh, still sitting at 6-11-1 in the Springbank Curling Club, Tuesday night men's league. Hope to get back on the winning track tomorrow night. Before we jump into this week's episode, a quick reminder that, that if you're enjoying the show, please uh, pod, pause your podcast app right now, take a quick screenshot, and share it on your social media. Let your friends and followers know that you're listening to the Eat More Barbecue podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Also, please check out the New Look Alberta Barbecue Trail. I'm now using the trail idea to support and promote all the great barbecue joints in the province. And you can follow the Alberta Barbecue Trail on Twitter and Instagram and check out the Alberta Barbecue Trail page at www.eatmorebarbecue.ca for a listing of all the barbecue joints in Alberta. If you're listening in and you see that there's someone I've missed, please let me know and get on out there and support your local barbecue restaurant. For this week's episode of the show, I had the pleasure of visiting your local ranch just north of Airdrie, Alberta last month and sat down with Wayne Hansen. Your local ranch is a cattle operation here and uh, raising some high-quality Alberta beef. You can find their product at a number of retailers and restaurants around southern Alberta, and they also have a shop on-site at the ranch. I appreciated what Wayne said about being hands-on in almost every part of the chain. Uh, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back. Another episode of the show here, everybody. And I'm uh, just a little north of Calgary at your local ranch. And I'm really pleased to be here with Wayne Hanson. Wayne, thank you for uh, having me out here today and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, so we, just before we came inside and uh, sat down here, kind of took a stroll around some of the uh, the property here and saw some of the, the cattle. So uh, tell me about your, uh, your operation here, a little bit about what you're doing and what you got going on. So some of the history um, of, of how we got to where we're at, um, we'll start real quickly at the beginning. In 1909, we registered the brand down in uh, Brant, Alberta, and it's a bell with an L inside of it, and we call it the Bell L. And so um, it's uh, it's one of the, it's our stamp, it's our stamp of quality. So everything that, that we associate to it, we want to make sure that it is as good as we can make it and and, uh, and it's our pride factor right there right so we have in in uh, my lifetime we have been in the purebred business where we sold cattle that were um, 
uh, quite well known and renowned around the world and we sold cattle into just about every country that we could export to nice. uh, live or semen or embryos or, or mm-hmm. all that and uh, as my family grew and my kids I've got three kids yeah. um, as they grew we decided that we would pull out of the purebred business and go into the commercial business which okay. means uh, not pedigreed cattle but okay. we're raising cattle that that um, would be either traded for commodity to a feedlot or or that kind of an idea. Right. My youngest one went to school down in California and he wrote a thesis his graduating year on the vertical integration of a cattle ranch and here we are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for the last 18, 20 months we've been vertically integrating. Him. Okay. And so what we're doing now is um, we took a step back when we first got into the commercial cattle we were we were custom running cows for Gaeta, Texas and and we had 500 to 600 cows of our own and mm-hmm. and it was a massive operation where at any given time we could have uh, 2,500 head around here okay. with one person helping and our kids going full out after school and and my wife is as a nurse and she was nursing full time right so, so so we were pretty busy so mm-hmm. when all the kids decided to do their own thing for a few years we took a step back yeah we looked at it and now we're we're running cattle at a, at a much lower rate per acre okay so we're running about 250 cows right now mostly on grass we right. don't put much feed up yeah. because we don't have to so hopefully we're running them cheaper, right. uh, more efficiently, mm-hmm. and then well, we can finish the finish the cattle off and and um, put it through our meat shop. Right. So, That's great. so you uh, just kind of jump back a little bit. Uh, we were just chatting a little bit before we started recording the the, the brand, the Bell Al brand. You kind of were telling me a little bit about where that where that came from. Yeah. So. The Bellow brand was registered in 1909 by my great-grandfather, Louis Hansen, or Grandpa Louis, he yeah. was known as. I never knew him. He died two years before I was born. Yeah. Uh, he had a horse operation, mostly, and uh, back in the day, you know, you didn't have to have any money. If you worked hard, you could, you could earn a pretty good living, you could buy land, you could do everything because there was no such thing as taxes at the time. Yeah. And so uh, they, they would go jump out and, and buy 5,000 acres and, a, and they'd have two bad winters and lose it all. And three years later they could do it again because yeah. they'd save money and, and they could do it. So yeah. he had a huge construction company okay. and uh, he was probably the biggest construction company in Calgary in the late 20s early 30s okay um and the dirty 30s pretty much took its toll on on it and he probably had a few bad habits that didn't help (laughs) and so therefore uh my his son my grandfather he went to work on the rigs in turner valley longview that's where my dad was born okay 1943, we came to Simons Valley. Yeah, so moved a little north. Moved a little north and started ranching there. Okay. So, so there so you the, go. Uh, the, the ranching's been since the since the mid 40s, kind of. Yeah. This this part of the woods. this part with I, the identification of, of our immediate family. That's right. 1943. It started. Yeah. And then when did you move out to uh, kind of the Airdrie area here? We uh, when I was a when I was a young kid uh, we. 
there was my grandfather, my father, and his brother Gary, mm -hmm. and we all worked together. So we bought up here at Airdrie okay. in uh, 1974 together, and then we just started putting more pieces together up here. Right. My uncle moved up in 1976, and we moved up in 1979. Okay. So you've seen a few uh, changes up in this neck of the woods, <laughs> I imagine, in the yeah. in that period of time, some quite a bit of growth. Yeah, huge growth. Yeah. Um, uh, my wife Rhonda, she her family's been here forever. So okay. in, in Airdrie, there's a Fletcher Park, and she's a Fletcher. Yeah, okay. So. And so her her one side is Fletcher, the other side is Colstead, and they've been here as long as anybody. Right. And uh, so we went to school together, um, and we we often talk about when we were in in school, even when I was in grade nine. Uh, Airdrie was was probably only about uh, oh 1,500 people. Yeah. And now we're looking at 70,000. Yeah. So uh, it's it's blown up. Yeah, I've been in Calgary uh, 23 years now, and just the the growth in Calgary, and obviously out here, it's, yeah, uh, it's uh, pretty wild to see. Yeah. What I've seen in that time, so you've got a few extra years out here, the over the over the on top of that, so yeah, yeah, pretty wild. So. Uh, the vertical integration you mentioned, what has that meant exactly for you? So, um, we were, originally we were just uh, selling our cattle commodity. So, okay. you know, we would, we were, we were a little bit more technical than the average um, commercial ranch, cattle right. ranch. And we had put in some things like our scale so we could sell them off farms. We could kind of control the shrink on the cattle, which okay. the shrink is, is the deduction which a feedlot would take. Okay. And so you would haul them there if you were if you're going direct and, and you would take whatever shrink uh, that was lost on the truck or if we sold them through an auction mart you take them the night before they shrink overnight okay and the difference could be up to seven to ten percent okay well that which is a huge deduction on your yeah. paycheck yeah so so we we were we were trying to eliminate that kind of thing and, mm -hmm. and as we go along my son and I we I've always liked the meat business. My mm -hmm. son, he said, well, you know, let's look at these numbers. So he worked on these numbers in university and it, yeah. and it told us the more we can control of the whole spectrum from birth to plate, mm -hmm. we're good. Then, uh, so what we've done is, is they're, they're bred at our place, they're born at our place, they're weaned, they're fed, and we lose control of them when we go to the, to the plant where they're hung up for inspection sure and uh then we get control of 48 hours after that back into a cooler okay and so we control that we don't own the facility in which we butcher right. however my wife Rhonda and i go down and actually help with the butcher okay so you yeah so you're you know almost from start to finish you got your uh, yeah. your hands on that uh on there yeah and uh and so it's i mean we are really young into this they're I'm not young, <laughs> but our operation is young. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah, so we're growing, we're growing at a tremendous pace, and, and mm -hmm. eventually we'll have to um, solidify more parts of the vertical integration right. by owning our own butcher shop and, right. and storefront that sure. looks different than the one we have out yeah, on the farm. Yeah, you've got the little store here on the. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And you're working with a number of on the retail side of things. I'm seeing your product around. Uh, around a bit so you're kind of moving into that a, a yeah bit. that was the first thing the first yeah. thing that we did the first thing that we ever sold on these is I went out 
uh, for dinner at the at the Hayloft in Airdrie. Okay, yeah. And uh, they did such a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. I just walked up. We we hadn't even started. We had cattle on feed, but we hadn't yeah. we hadn't butchered anything. Right. And I walked up to to Jason and Han there at the Hayloft. I okay. said, Oh my goodness, what a wonderful job you guys have done in here. Yeah. That is one of the best meals I've ever had. Yeah. Could I sell you some local beef? Sure. Yeah. And. They both said, absolutely, when will it be ready? I yeah. said, well, about six, eight weeks from now, we can maybe do something. And yeah. so that was the first thing. Perfect. And what a wonderful partnership. Yeah. And uh, since then, uh, you know, Cam Clark was one of the one of the next guys that supported right. us. And he, he doesn't, uh, every every weekend he has a little barbecue. So okay. He uses a few Smokies. And, sure. Uh, Davis Chevaux, they have a deli there that, that okay. Damanamit runs, Damanamit food truck. Okay. Uh, uses our beef. Um, we've got Homegrown in Airdrie. We've got Simply for Life in Airdrie. We've yeah. got some just amazing partners. And uh, and our clients that come out to the farm, they're all our friends. Like once they're out here once, yeah. they're it's like family when they keep coming back. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's really nice. Awesome. Uh, so right now you're running about 250 head? Yeah, kind about 250 year. calves will be born this year, some in the spring and some in the fall. Okay. Um, so that means that I could virtually have one butchered every day yeah. of the week, uh, Monday to Friday. Right. However, we're not that far along yet. Right. In our, yeah. uh, the, way, the way our growth is in about three years, that's exactly where we will be. Right. And so... That's a lot of that's a lot of beef. That is. Um, so so yeah, that's that's where we're at. Uh, we still sell a few cattle commodity. Okay. Um, this year it was just our mid cut of our heifers yeah. that we sold, but um, yeah, I don't know if we'll sell any next year until till later on. Right. But. So currently, in a, uh, in a week, you're you're butchering. How many? We do right right now. It's slow season. This yeah. is it's same retail and restaurant and everything. Yeah. So it's our slow season. So we're one a week. One a week right now. And uh, it's we're not building much inventory right now at that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's where we're that's where we're at. And uh, leading up to this, we had depleted so much over the summer that we were two a week. Okay. For about. Uh, 12 weeks right. to build a little more inventory yeah so at any one given time we have a tremendous amount of inventory on hand sure and and then as we move into the summer we will ramp it up to two a week again okay and so that's we just have yeah. to monitor it the, the bad news is is that um, from conception to plate we're 800 days away right <laughs> and from from recognizing that that we need more Mm-hmm. And if we if I have to put them on feed, yeah. we're a minimum two hundred days away. Okay. So the planning to get to um, seven months from now, they better be on feed right now. Yeah. So it's that that's that time frame. That's your drag, your lag. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so the the, the cattle the cattle you are butchering, they're two and a half to three years old, kind of in that. No. Or um, the eight hundred days. I guess I'm trying to just do some math. Yeah. No, but conception, conception. So conception. I'm sorry. Okay. So right. conception's two hundred eighty three days. Okay. Then we wean them. It's another two hundred ten that they're on the cow, roughly. Yeah. And okay. Then the fastest is another two hundred days after that. So the okay. fastest is about six hundred days. Okay. A little less, maybe, right. or a little more, seven hundred, maybe. So that's that's as fast as we can get them. Yeah. 
get them ready from from the day we start to manage them when they're conceived. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's you know lots of people talk about the expense of beef. Yeah. Well, from from the day a chicken's hatched to the day that it's on the plate, it's about thirty days. So it's just a much faster turn turnaround, that's I guess right. you could say, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So so it is. It's it's a lot more intensive. Yeah, and long-term planning really yeah. for you, right? Just uh, yeah. managing numbers and seeing where you're, where yeah. you think you might need to be down the road, and all of that, right? Yeah. One of the other fun things that we do is um, Fitzsimmons Brewery. They they handle our products in there, and I think they might start handling a few more of them. Okay. But we we feed their mash. Okay. And they use our jerky and pepperoni. Nice. Okay. Through there, maybe some smokies coming up. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So. So yeah, and the other thing that we just branched out to, so we're we're at Avenida Market, okay, down on McLeod Trail and Anderson Road, yeah, right just south of that. Okay, we're down in the in the mercantile down there, and we have a few clients down there that are using our products in the food court. Oh, perfect. Uh, Yummy Churro is down there; he does it, and uh, then we're in Simon's Valley with our chicken. Okay. So the Simon's Valley Market that burnt down yes. was in the basement of, of yeah. the house. Yeah, you haven't been back over there since uh, before the fire. Yeah, so. that's only about three miles from where I grew up. Okay, so it's well, kind of like going home. Yeah, I'm in, in, <laughs> yeah, I'm in Royal Oak, so I'm uh, a five minute drive from our house to yeah. Well, that's there, so that's where our chickens chicken uh, meat is. is okay, there. so you do the chickens here as well? No, nope, we or buy or? them from Bowden. From Bowden, okay. Bowden chicken, them, yep. and uh, those guys are fantastic. They yeah. they do it just about exactly like we do it's a family yeah and yeah that's it took us a long time to find the chicken guy that we really liked the way they did it yeah those guys are fantastic yeah they're at uh yeah the bears they're at the bear spa yep farmers that's right yeah i think that's the only farmer's market they're at okay yeah it's again that's just and so we we sell for them as much as we can possibly sell for them (laughs) well you guys it's partnerships absolutely that's what makes it work can't do everything yourself and uh, yeah yeah, awesome so we were chatting outside a little bit about uh the animal care i guess uh talk to me about some of your kind of how you trying to make life as easy and stress-free as you can on the cattle uh, as on the animals yeah so I didn't mention it to you, but one of the things that we're pretty proud of is that there's really no manure on the cattle. Like we're in the dead of winter yeah, and it doesn't look like there's any bedding out there, right. but it's all recycled wood chips okay. off of actually this stuff came from Harvest Hills Golf Course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what's in the pens. And, okay. and so it's important when it, when it's cold that stuff is heated a little bit so there's a little bit of, of okay. like an electric blanket almost under right right and so so there's a little bit of heat comes up but the manure will never stick to it because mm-hmm. it it goes into the okay. recycling into the mulch right okay. and so in the spring we just pull the rough off of it and yeah. and then renew the the new top on it right and it's it's clean so we um, we use horses to move the cattle to doctor the cattle to feed the cows we use the team right. and uh, it's just it's slow and quiet yeah. and uh, one of the kids that were out at a, at a school tour asked asked how come they're so quiet and I said well if you're kind to them they're kind to you and so that's the theory and we pale feed mm-hmm. everything but the ones that are in the pans we were pale feeding everything but yeah. we have to use a different kind of feed this year because we're short of feed so right. We have to use a truck to do it, but out on out on the pastures, 
Yeah. We're still pale feeding through the winter to give them the energy that it takes for them to thrive right. in the winter. Yeah. Now, the the feed shortage, is that due to the summer last year? Yeah. The... <laughs> we had a couple couple dry years. Yeah. And uh, so we, we use our own hay, um, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the silage we use, which is a, it's a cereal crop and, and it was a horrible crop, but you know, a, a good year for barley would be a hundred bushel mm-hmm. and the barley that was on the field beside it this year, it only went 32. Okay. And so it tells you that we're 70% short of that. Right. So we silage some and brought it in and put it in the pit and the good part about silage is it'll last forever. Okay. It won't rot. So we, we grind our hay. We grind our uh, our straw, mm-hmm. and there's a and the silage is cut up into little short three quarter inch to inch pieces, right. and then it's heated and it turns into kind of like a tobacco molasses kind of a okay, and and so it, it's really good and it's mm-hmm. and it's moist. It's about 60 percent moisture. Right. So when you get it, dig it out, it's all heated and it's steaming. It's like eating something warm. Right. So that's what that is. Excellent. And our cattle out on grass is stockpile grass, so we mm-hmm. don't go on it until the winter. So all okay. summer it grows. Right. And the other ones are on the bunches from the barley straw. So so each each bunch is uh, about four feet across and about three feet high. Yeah. And then it saves all the chaff and all the fines and all the good things and puts it all in. So every bite they take is is nutritious. Excellent. So, and your the cattle the animals are are here until they go to the butcher, correct? Yeah. So you're not going. They're not going to a big feedlot operation. Nope. No, nope. everything is managed there. here on on farm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, another you know, less stress. Part right? of our vertical integration. Exactly. Keep it all uh, <laughs> keep it all in house. Right? Well, yeah. If you can't if you can't control it, yeah. Then then it. it I'm a bit of a control freak, so sure. I believe I believe that that good genetics means that you don't have to to put hormones mm-hmm. or implants or anything in those cattle. Right. They should have the appropriate genetics to get you where you want to go. Yeah. I think that the the implants they they would make my cattle more efficient, no doubt. Um, but they're a pretty good cheater for poor cattle. Right. It makes poor cattle compete average with a with a good animal. So. Right. So that's why we don't we don't do it. Mm-hmm. I I don't have to feed them any any antibiotics. I don't have to do any of that stuff. If you've got good management, good vaccination program, yeah, they don't get sick. Exactly. So awesome. Uh, let's talk about the meat. You were talking out uh, when we were chatting earlier about the the marbling and everything. Kind of get into that and uh, yeah, the genetics. I guess you kind of said it's uh, it so that's down. that's something that when we were in the purebred business. Yeah. Uh, we were uh, my commercial my commercial guy said oh well you guys you guys are way up here and you and you know what you're doing and I said actually I said when you sell them you sell every one of yours as a as an animal and you get the same price for everyone I said we throw half of ours away because they're not not what you you know not what you want so right. we throw half of them away mm-hmm. so when we were in the purebred thing, we did embryo transfers trying to improve a herd in 1976. Okay. So, I mean, we were in we were in the leading edge of those kind of things. And we we did ultrasound to, for carcass information right. back in the 80s. We did 
all these things to try to learn more about what we were doing. And yeah. as, as the associations got data, they have come up with an EPD, which is expected progeny difference. So those things will tell me at what accuracy. So, um, so it would tell me that, that this one is going to grow faster by 10 pounds than on average than right. the other one. And it'll do it 80% of the time because that's what your accuracy is. Right. So there's, there's growth numbers, there's calving ease numbers, there's unassisted calving, there's marble, there's yield. And so when, when I buy a bull, mm -hmm. I look at all those things on numbers, but you still got to like the look of them. Yeah. So you might get a, go to a sale where there's a hundred. Yeah. There's probably only two that I really would want. Yeah. And sometimes I can't afford them. But lots of times if I can pay 15,000 or 20,000 for one, mm -hmm. then I can sell them to another purebred guy that sees the value in them too and, or right. trade for two more bulls that I like or yeah, something. Yeah. something to... But then you've got cows that have that genetic quality mm -hmm. that passes on and then you compound it with another bull that has that genetic quality right. and it's really easy to get high triple A and prime marble right. like you saw in the tomahawks yeah yeah we're <laughs> and, looking at those out there and so that's our our genetic selection mm -hmm. makes it easier for us to do what we want to do right. and be consistent at it awesome excellent and if we don't we eat something of every one we do and yeah. if we don't like it we pull it yeah we pull it out of inventory and we gorge on it because <laughs> it's still pretty good it's just sure. not what not where the quality that you're looking yeah, for right not exactly what I want excellent yeah. excellent so, uh, so you know this is a barbecue uh, barbecue podcast so uh, yeah. let's talk about cooking what do you uh, do you do much of your own cooking smoking what are you doing yeah. out here so I have got a Weber gas barbecue, yeah. I have got a green egg, yeah. and I have a Traeger. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm hooked up. the gamut, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've, uh, I've had the gas for a long time, sure. and I've had the, the green egg for, oh, geez, uh, 10 or 12 years. Yeah. And then I've had the Traeger for a couple of years. Yeah. And I love them all, and I different find there. a different sure. purpose for each one. Yeah. But I gotta say, I, I like my steaks, and so does Rhonda. I like our steaks grilled. Yeah. And we like our roasts and ribs smoked. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. depends on what yeah. we're doing. What you're doing, yeah. What I, but I'll guarantee you that I'll bet you we only cook my meat in the house twice a month. Yeah. And the rest, I don't care how cold it is. Yeah. I'm barbecuing or smoking. Yeah. Well, and the Traeger's nice. You got the convenience. Uh, yeah. Kind of set it up and. Just let her go, right? You yeah, to... and that's what's wrong with the green egg. It's kind of a Sunday beer drinking kind of a, and we don't have many Sundays off. So. No, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's that's that's the only problem with it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I did a actually I had a I had our trigger a Green Mountain and the and this one going all at once on our deck doing a big thing. Yeah. And uh, it was fun to see which was which. Yeah. At they all the same temperatures, yeah. right? And right. they all cook different. Sure. So. Yeah, and I'm the same. I've got a, an offset charcoal or stick burner at home, and it's yeah to do anything of any uh, any size in there. It's a whole day event, so I don't have a yep. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> not as often as I'd like it to, for That's sure. Right. So. 
Well, I've got my little Weber charcoal kettle, yeah. which I've just had for close to a year now, and I'm loving that. And I got yeah. the Weber gas grill too. And sometimes you just need to <laughs> turn it on and go, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fun. It's, I mean, we've always had, we've always been spoiled. Where we've always had fantastic meat. Yeah. And uh, probably when we started in the meat business, mm -hmm. one of the misconceptions that I had is that everybody ate as much beef as I did. <laughs> and when we started, yeah. we'd have people come up and say, oh my goodness, that's a 16-ounce steak. Oh, we can't. That's too big. That's yeah. too big. Yeah. And it's funny, in the last year, I haven't heard any of that. Because yeah. they eat it all, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's it was their perception of what a big steak was compared right. to what what they eat and, and the better it is yeah. the more they're willing to finish the steak right? yeah. so yeah. so that was that was the one thing that we learned but but uh, it's it's just repeat 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 mm -hmm. and and uh, make sure that everything is is good every time you sell it to them. yeah make sure they're always happy right keep the quality there right yeah, yeah. but barbecue love it smoking yeah. love it yeah so my the kind of the question I uh, like to finish off with is it's dinner time or it's getting you're getting ready for dinner you've got your choice of firing up whichever of your cookers you want what uh, what's your go-to oh, my go-to would be a rib steak yeah. that would be rib steak and then a then a strip loin yeah if I've if I've thought about it through the day yeah. or the night before yeah, sure I would just as soon put a hip on the on the Traeger and yeah. and leave her on there that's that's just as good for me. I love that just as much. But awesome. if it's if it's tonight and I'm hungry, oh, it's a rib steak. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Wayne. Uh, thank you so much. It's been great. Really appreciate it. Where can folks uh, find you online, social media? So www.yourlocalranch.com. Yeah. You'll find us online. We're on Facebook. All right. um, yeah. Just just look us up. And there's directions. There's actually online. There's a GPS that'll take you right to the meat Super. shop. Yeah, and actually on my phone, I was able to just on my Apple uh, punch in your local ranch, and it uh, it got me here, no problem. Yeah, so, good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I'll put the the links to your accounts and website in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. It's been yeah. great. Well, good. Thank you. Appreciate Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. That's awesome. That is another episode of the show. As always, everybody, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I really, really, truly appreciate it. Uh, be sure to check out our show sponsor, www.bbqclass.ca, for all the details on their upcoming barbecue classes here in Alberta. And don't forget, I'll be attending uh, the Pitmaster class on March 30th in Calgary. And I'm really looking forward to learning from barbecue champion Rob Reinhardt. Thank you once again to Wayne Hansen from Your Local Ranch. Check them out at www.yourlocalranch.com and be sure to pick up some of their outstanding beef. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review. Share it with your friends. Let me know what you think. On Twitter, at Eat More Barbecue, and on Facebook and Instagram, eat underscore more underscore barbecue. And you can always email me at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com. Next week on the show, I talk to Sean Bevins from Hammerforge about their awesome-looking lineup of smokers and live-fire cookers. As always, a big thank you to Alan Horbin for the music. And until next time, folks, keep on smoking. This has been a production of www.eatmorebarbecue.ca.